0: You're listening to Beyond the Sermon, the podcast of First Methodist Church in Collingswood, New Jersey. On our podcast, the goal is not just to share our sermons, but to go beyond the sermon and talk about what we're learning and what God is doing in us and in our community. The sermon you're about to listen to comes from our first series of 2024, Fast Forward. In this series, we're talking about what it looks like to move into the future in prayer and fasting. You can find more information about our church at FUMCCollingswood.org. Thanks for listening. Um, anyway, as I was thinking uh, this week about our continued uh, sermon series here in uh, January and February, fast forward. Um, and we've been thinking about fasting and prayer and you know, these, this idea of some of these spiritual disciplines. Uh, well, this week, uh, the Holy Spirit brought to my mind as I was thinking about all these things, our dogs. And before you go thinking that uh, Scott has lost it, I mean, you know, what kind of connection could the Spirit make between dogs and spiritual disciplines? Bear with me for a moment before you throw me out of the pulpit. Um, but some of you know that we have a couple of dogs, one that is intelligent and trainable and helpful and the others, that's Smalls. Um, that, that's his name, Smalls. And, and he is none of those things. Uh, you know, Nia, she's a, a big, beautiful black lab mix and she loves, to play fetch, she loves, uh, she's learned a number of tricks, she can do all those kind of things. We've even been able to train her uh, to pick things up off the floor uh, when Meg isn't able to, so you know, we just tap on something on the floor, she picks it up, hands it up to you, and and is is happy. When we tell the boys that it's time to go get in the car, she just goes, lays down in her kennel, waits for you to latch the gate, you know, getting the picture, she's a a good dog. Uh, Smalls, on the other hand, Is a beagle. And it's not necessarily that Nia is smart and Smalls isn't. Uh, The biggest difference between Nia and Smalls is their motivation. You see, Nia wants nothing more than to make people happy. She wants to receive the praise and affection and approval. And Smalls, he just wants food all the time. So Nia does what people want her to do because the relationship matters for her, right? That's primary for her. She wants to make us happy. But Smalls is going to do what Smalls wants to do uh, unless he can see a benefit for himself of doing what someone else wants him to do, namely in the form of a treat. Um, And so as I'm standing there in in the kitchen of the parsonage there, thinking about the differences between our two dogs and their motivations, the spirit said to me, this is the difference between people, too. And something clicked in my mind. This is a picture of the different ways that people approach fasting and prayer, spiritual disciplines. Many of us approach prayer and fasting in a transactional kind of way, often, right? As as rituals we do when we see a direct benefit for ourselves, much like Smalls does. God, you got a treat in your hand for me? All right? Am, Am I gonna get what I want if I pray? What about if I add fasting? But what God wants is for us to see fasting and prayers, not as a means of getting us what we want, but as the way that we deepen that relationship with him. God wants us to enter into prayer because it strengthens our bond with him. There's a relational aspect to it, right? It's not just a transaction, it's not just a bribe. Now, as I was thinking about all this, I was, I was thinking about the things that Jesus taught about fasting, and, and I was led to this passage that we read from Matthew chapter 6, a portion of what we know right, as the Sermon on the Mount. And Now, this isn't the only place in the Gospels that's recording Jesus speaking about prayer or fasting, We mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, like the time when John's disciples came to him and they said, how come your disciples don't fast like we do or like the Pharisees do? And Jesus gave them an answer. And there's other places where he talks about prayer and fasting as well. But this is one of the clearest times in the Gospels in which Jesus talks about prayer and and fasting. And I can't remember if it was one of J.D. Walt's wake up call devotionals that I get in my email every day, or if it was one of the podcasts that I was listening to, or, or something else. But the point is, the, the thought that I'm trying to make here is it's not original to me. I'm not trying to claim it as my own. But my attention was drawn to the context here in Matthew 6 of Jesus' teaching about fasting. And at first I was like, all right, yeah, it makes sense, right? Jesus talks about prayer, and then he talks about fasting. We've been saying all through this series that fasting is bringing our physical bodies into alignment with our spirits, right, as unified beings. So there's a sense in which we're aligning all that we are in seeking God, but as I continued to look at Matthew 6, I began to see that, that for Jesus, just as much as fasting goes along with prayer, they both go along with giving. They, so the three of them together, there, there are three ways that Jesus says we practice righteousness. And so in Matthew chapter six, verse one, Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. This is Jesus's main thesis statement in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, right? And the discussion about giving and praying and fasting that comes afterwards, it all flows out of that idea. And it describes what it can look like to practice our righteousness. And there's a thread that flows all through the talking about giving and praying and fasting. And that thread is this. Do these things. Practice these disciplines in such a way that God sees what you're doing, but other people don't, right? Because when we do these practices for the sake of others and for them to see, all we're going to do is puff ourselves up. We're going to receive the reward of people thinking more highly of, ourselves, highly of us, and that's the end of it. Right? Instead, Jesus says, our giving and our praying and our fasting should be things that are done privately. Out of the sight of other people. As the, the famous quote goes, right? Character is what you do when no one is watching. So we've got all of this flowing out of, of verse 1. And then at the end of this passage, in verses 19 to 21, we kind of get the other bookend for this teaching on prayer and fasting and giving. You could almost read right from verse 1 to 19 and, and 21 and, and without even missing a beat. right? And it would read like this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is. Right? And all the rest of the passage, verses two through 18, right, they exist within these brackets, within these bookends, And it's all about motivation. Who are we trying to impress? Are we seeking to deepen our relationship with God? Or are we seeking to gain approval from other people? So that was the first thing that kind of stood out to me as I was working through this passage this week. But the second thing that stood out to me as I looked at this passage was the way that all three of these actions that Jesus describes, right? Giving and praying and fasting. They express who we depend on. Right? Who do we look to to supply those? Needs? Do we look to God and dependence on him or are we depending on ourselves? And so when we look at each one, we can look at prayer as our dependence on God oriented toward God, right? That's how that dependence on God is worked out toward him. As we look to God to meet our needs and as we acknowledge that God is the source of every good thing, right? We seek him in prayer. We go to him in prayer. But giving is also an expression of our dependence on God, but it's oriented not toward God, but toward others, right? Recognizing that we've been blessed to be a blessing to others and that what we have to give, we've been given by God. And then fasting is our dependence on God oriented inward, right? Toward ourselves as we acknowledge that as important As our physical needs are, our most significant need is our need for God. Right? That's what Jesus said when he was tempted in the wilderness and the devil said, turn those stones into bread. Jesus said, no. Man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Or when he met with the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, And then the disciples come back and and they're like, Jesus, aren't you hungry? He said, I have food that you don't even understand. My food is to do the will of God. Right? And so our fasting acknowledges our dependence on God even more than our need for physical things. And so giving fasting and praying they're like the three legs of a stool that is depending on God right what happens you all know right what happens when you get the legs of a stool out of balance it gets wobbly it gets wonky right it's hard to sit on that stool you wouldn't even think about standing on it and so these three legs Support our stool, which is depending on God. So prayer should lead to fasting, right? As we bring our being into alignment. And fasting should lead to giving as we experience in a small way what it's like to be in need. We're more open. To the needs of others and then so our giving should then lead us back to more prayer as we bring those needs back to God and we give thanks to God for the things he's given to us right it, it all works together it all supports that same stool when Jesus is talking here in Matthew he talks about storing up treasures in heaven Right? He, he said, don't do these things for the sake of what you get on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. But when he's talking about that, he's not talking about heaven as this spiritual place up in the clouds in contrast to this physical earth that we live on now. See, all through his gospel, Matthew, because he's trying to be sensitive to his Jewish believers who he was originally writing for, right? He uses heaven and kingdom of heaven in place of saying God or kingdom of God, right? Because the Jews following the exile didn't write or speak the name of God out of concern. They were trying not to take the Lord's name in vain, right? That's one of the big 10, right? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. So they they wouldn't even say it. They'd say the kingdom of heaven instead of the kingdom of God. And so it's not heaven and earth being held in contrast here as in the spiritual and the physical, so much as it is God and the world, right? So when Jesus says, don't store up treasures on earth, he's talking about worldly treasures, the thing this world values. He says, store up godly treasures. After all, we can't take the physical things with us when we die. Anyway, and it's not about getting bigger mansions or fancier crowns in heaven. It's about godliness and righteousness and a deeper relationship and intimacy with God in which we're shaped and transformed into his image. One caveat I want to make this morning in the midst of this conversation about this passage in Matthew 6 it has to do with this idea of, of secrecy that Jesus is introducing to the conversation about these righteous practices, right? These spiritual disciplines. Is Jesus saying that we should only ever do these things secretly or in private? What do you think? I don't think so. I hope not, right? Because I already led us in prayer this morning. And, and you all have already given as part of your worship here in front of everyone. So I think there are times when it's appropriate to pray in public or to give as part of our service of worship or, or even as we've talked about in this series to call for a corporate fast in the face of a crisis where we all come together to seek God. So then how do we reconcile that reality with a simple reading of Jesus's words here. Right, because he says, when you pray, go in your closet, close the door. When you're fasting, don't let it look like you're fasting. How do we hold those two things in tension? How do we reconcile them? I don't think you'll be surprised by now to hear this, but I believe it's a matter of motivation, right? It's a matter of intention. Jesus said, don't stand on the street corners and pray in a loud voice so that others see you and hear you and hear how great of a prayer you are. He didn't say don't ever pray in public, right? It's the motive, it's the intention. Am I doing it in such a way that attracts attention to myself? Or am I leading others in a prayer to which they can join their hearts? Am I modeling what it looks like to develop a conversational intimacy with God? That's a different motivation. That's the heart of what, God, of what Jesus is trying to get to in this part of the Sermon on the Mount. These things we do, our our prayers, our fasting, our giving, it's not just a matter of whether we do them. It matters why we do them. And the reason we do them is to be drawn deeper into that relationship with God. And so this morning, as part of our service, we have the opportunity to, As we come to the Lord's table this morning to respond to the grace that God has poured out to us to receive this means of grace into our lives again. And I want to invite you this morning as we prepare ourselves to come before the Lord, as we prepare to come to the table, I want to invite you to ask God to reveal what those motives are in your heart when it comes to things like prayer and fasting, other spiritual disciplines. Are they just empty rituals for you? Things that you feel obligated to do to try to get a treat? Or are they the avenues, the means through which you're being drawn closer God, the ways your relationship with God is becoming more real and more life-giving. Would you ask God this morning, is there a leg of your stool that's a little out of balance that needs to come into alignment? Would you ask Jesus to speak to your heart this morning about those areas of your life and call you to the next step of your journey of trusting in him so that you can become the kind of person who hungers and thirsts, not just for physical food, but for righteousness, the kind of person who seeks first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, trusting that when we do, all that other stuff will fall into its proper perspective and God will take care of the rest.